This is Real Estate Rookie. Yeah. And so that is the thing. Like a lot of people, they just see the end result and so they don't see the work. It's just like with my out-of-state rental, you know, I did spend five months just researching different markets and digging in and making offers on properties before I finally found something that worked out. And, um, you know, when we started looking at the Airbnb, I mean, it was about a year from the time we started looking at them to when we finally got it on our property and all set up and stuff. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I'm here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, information, and stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey. And we oftentimes like to start the podcast with some reviews from folks in our rookie uh, audience. And today's review comes from Ashley Nichols. And she says, to give this podcast less than a five-star review is pure insanity. I appreciate that enthusiasm, Ashley. Uh, Ashley says, I've listened to every single episode and every single one is full of so many gems. Tony and Ashley are literally out here giving out free game and changing people's lives. If you're a rookie investor, the information they're exposing you to is exactly what you need to help master your mindset and take action to achieve your real estate investing goals. Ashley, we appreciate you for for the kind words. And if you are listening and you haven't left us an honest rating review on whatever platform it is you're listening to, do it right now. The more reviews we get, the more folks we reach, the more folks we reach, the more folks we can help. And that's our goal here. Isn't that right, Ashley Care? We want to help people, right? And Tony, you are so ethical by saying an honest... (laughs) Review when I say a five star five review. star review five stars you don't leave one. I think because I also get joy from like reading the the mean tweets about us too. So it's like you know yeah if you guys want to say something mean we can do that too. But it's so funny every time that like I, I get with people in person like you know we host our meetups here locally mm-hmm. we were just together in Denver and every single time since I've started reading the mean reviews people always come up to me and they're like so offended that people were write such mean things about us and they're like I couldn't believe that person said that don't listen to what they're saying so even the bad reviews i think you know they help bring the community together yeah but they also like hurt the podcast (laughs) and my feelings so next time just slide into my dms with your hurtful comments (laughs) i'll just leave it at that (laughs) there you go fair enough fair enough remember when you had to pay to get a leads phone number it was like the dark ages until deal machine made skip tracing a thing of the past now with your deal machine plan you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost that's right get high quality reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions all fully compliant with the federal do not call list Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a deal machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We know and you all know why it's super important that good tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process. 
Luckily, RentReady, the comprehensive property management software, has a new feature that makes tenant screening a complete breeze. In addition to TransUnion certified tenant screening, RentReady now offers proof of income verification. So RentReady's automatic tenant proof of income verification ensures an in-depth check of each applicant's financial stability and earnings. With Plaid certified tenant income and asset reports, you can see a potential tenant's income summary and total earnings by month. It's time to say goodbye to that whole gut check tenant screening and feel confident renting out your property with Rent Ready. Now, Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for only $1. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, Investor for six months of Rent Ready for only $1. So today on our episode, we have Josiah, and this is really exciting because he talks about how he added a short-term rental into his property where he lives without um, having to get permits, without having to um, get utilities because they were already there, just like all these different things and how he kind of pieced it together to make this perfect short-term rental and also didn't affect his property taxes, which we all love. Yeah. People always ask me like, Tony, hey, hey, how do you choose which market to invest in? And a lot of times, honestly, it's just having conversations with people. So um, listen to Josiah's episode. He talks a, talks a lot about like the success he's had in this market that a lot of people wouldn't think about investing in. Um, but the other thing that Josiah talks about is going out of state. Uh, one of his properties is is out of state and kind of how he built that team and managed it, manages it remotely. Uh, so if you're thinking about investing not in your backyard, you'll definitely want to listen through to the end to hear how Josiah manages that part of his business as well. Josiah, welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast. We are super excited to have you on. So if you wouldn't mind, just share with, uh, with us, with the listeners, a little bit about who you are and how you got started in real estate investing. Okay, so uh, my name is Josiah Hine. I'm 36 years old, and um, my wife and I are actually an investing team. And so we started real estate investing basically in 2020, right before COVID hit. Um, But if you back up a little bit before that, um, I started really digging into real estate investing and learning about real estate investing in 2019. I actually got hit by a drunk driver while at work going 100, they were going 100 miles an hour and rear ended me. And it messed up my neck and back pretty bad. And so I actually have a pool and spa cleaning and repair business. And it's a lot of, you know, upper body work and being bent over and stuff. And so for about two years after that, I was able to do very little um, physically within my business. And so I really had to lean heavily on my employees at that point. But because I was basically incapacitated, um, I got out on YouTube and started searching about real estate investing and found bigger pockets and um, was just hooked. And so I would watch two to four podcasts a day, literally just because um, I had a lot of spare time on my hands all of a sudden. So um, that's kind of what started with the whole education piece of it. And then from there, you know, kind of let in. How did you even start thinking about real estate investing? What was, did someone talk to you about it? Did you come across a video or what even intrigued you to start searching? Um, Well, when I started my business, um, I really started, I learned everything online about business. And so um, watching YouTube videos, primarily everything from how to like set up corporations and how to structure businesses to how to like run systems and help manage everything. And so um, I knew 
that my wife, my wife's dad did real estate. And so we knew something, we knew real estate was something we want to do as a long-term goal. Um, we weren't really looking to dive into it in depth, but after getting hit by the drunk driver um, and being all messed up, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to continue my business going forward. And so I just got online and I was like, you know, what else can I do? What can I do in real estate, especially to make money? And just started digging in and learning about it because I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to keep going with my business. And so that's kind of, it was her family. And then um, it was just something we knew we wanted to do long-term as like a retirement strategy. But then I kind of got forced into it a lot sooner than I was planning. And my shift um, focus for my business specifically to real estate, because that's what I felt like I could probably do at the time. Okay. So you had something really, really crappy happen to you, like something unexpected. And instead of getting into the mindset of this sucks, pity me, you took advantage of your time by learning about real estate and researching. That right there just kind of shows the type of person you are, that mindset, because it would be so easy to feel sorry for yourself and that my life sucks. But instead you took that horrible thing and you somehow found one little tiny piece of advantage is that now you had time to research and watch those YouTube videos. And that is awesome that you did that because I'm sure that was not easy to do to, to get into a mindset of like, okay, I have to figure something else out. I have to do this. And to have that kind of endurance is, is really awesome. And Ash, you know, it kind of reminds me of uh, AJ Osborne's story, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like this, this really debilitating or or discouraging thing happens. And like you said, they, they use it, they use that additional time and and just like that epiphany to say, Hey, like real estate is the thing that I really want to, want to invest in to be able to, to provide for my family in case I'm ever not able to myself. So we all have those moments, Josiah, and I'm I'm glad that moment turned out to be a a positive one for you in the, in the long run. Yeah, thank you. I um I really appreciate that. And I mean, I have a wife and three kids now, but at the time I had two kids. And when I got hit, it was just a week after um my second daughter was born. And so, I mean, yeah, it was traumatic, but it I walked away from it. Thank God I was happy about that. Um, but I was like, I need to keep, you know, making money for my family and keep pushing forward if, um you know, we want to be OK. My wife is working and stuff as well. But um, it's really, I really need to feel like I'm bringing value, you know, to the family and stuff and to our relationship. And I've always just been someone who's really driven and motivated to keep going and going and going. And so it's hard for me to just stop and, you know, give up or not do anything. It's just not really in my DNA or who I am, I guess. So, yeah. Josiah, can I ask one, one follow-up question? You, um, you said you started investing in 2020. So this is like in the middle of COVID. Um, I think there, there was a lot of uncertainty in the world <laughs> in general, uh, but it's especially around like just making big investments. Uh, were you at all concerned about investing during such uncertain times? And if so, how did you, how did you kind of work past that, that fear and uncertainty? Um, so that's a good question. So basically it was February, 2020 when we started. So right before COVID hit and, um, it definitely was a big fear. Like wasn't sure, you know, if it was going to derail everything we were working on, but we had already started and we started by, um, buying a new house for our family to live in. Our family was growing our first house that we bought together. My wife and I was getting a little cramped and stuff. And I was starting to feel a little anxious 
And um, so we ended up buying a second house and then we're able to keep our first house and turn that into a rental actually. So we did a remodel on it. Um, basically just a long-term burr. We lived in it for a couple of years, remodeled it, um, rented it out and then refinanced it and repeat. And so, um, but yeah, starting all that whole process in COVID, it was definitely, um, made us pretty anxious for sure. So yeah, we, we recently interviewed another guest, uh, Nick Troutman. He was on episode 223. I want to say it was, and he had this really beautiful, not even analogy, but just distinction between danger and fear. And, and his whole premise was that people oftentimes confuse danger and fear. Danger is something that can hurt you, right? Danger is something that you should avoid, but fear is something that exists only within your mind. And sometimes it could represent danger. Other times it just could, it it could just represent you stepping outside of your comfort zone and being, uh, you know, like fearful of, of, of the unknown. So it it sounds like you were able to make the distinction between the two versus, you know, actual danger and, and what was just fear that might be holding you back. Yeah. And so it was pretty crazy. As soon as COVID kicked off, um, it seemed like the whole world just paused because they didn't know it was going to happen. And so we did the same as well. Um, I mean, we we're still working on remodeling our previous house, but um, we didn't know how any of that was going to look or like any of the stuff with the eviction moratoriums or um, what the government was going to do if they were going to start printing money like they did, um, trying to bail people out, you know, keep things afloat. And so we did kind of pause a little bit. But we were already in the process also at the same time with our first house. So um, we got it remodeled and then rented out. um, And it took us a while to remodel it. We got it rented out basically in September of 2020. And so we were full in on COVID then. And like the rent moratoriums were getting put in place already. And um, so, I mean, the main thing was we just made sure that we really... um, vetted our prospective tenants and stuff and went through and checked that they were paying rent, taking care of the places they were in and, um, you know, had a good credit score still and was just staying on top of everything. And so, um, basically just really the core fundamentals of real estate. And so anyway, um, that was our first place. We got it rented out almost immediately. We live in Southern Oregon and so it's a really hot market. I mean, pretty much anywhere on the West coast is right now. And so had lots of, um, applications and stuff, um, got it rented out and then, um, kind of did some work around our own house, uh, meandered for a bit and then finally got to the point where we could do that cash out refinance to pull our equity back out of it. Mm -hmm. And so we got to that point in the spring of 2021 and, um, yeah, we were basically able to pull out sixty thousand dollars to go towards our next deal. Sixty grand. That. Yeah. You say that so casually, Josiah, but that that's a <laughs> that's a big number, man. I mean, that is like the the ultimate goal for every new investor, especially the ones that want to use the the burst strategy, is to to be able to buy a property, put some love and a little bit of money, time, and effort into it, and then get back you know, the majority, if not all of what you put into it. So, but before we keep going, Josiah, if you can just uh, kind of set the table for us, how, how big is your portfolio with your wife today and, and what markets are you guys invested in? Um, so it's actually pretty small still. We've only done three deals so far. And so we started with our single family home that we lived in and then did a burr, pulled out the 60,000. And then we also did a, a HELOC on our house because we um, remodeled it and then um, refinanced it. And then we did a HELOC on it as well because we didn't pull any money out when we refinanced. 
Um, we wanted to keep, you know, something that was easier to stay liquid with so we could keep using that money in the future to invest with. And so we did a $60,000 HELOC as well. And then um, pretty much other than the refinance stuff in 2021, that was all we did. I did start searching in September for our next deal. And after reading David Green's book on out-of-state real estate investing, um, I decided that that's what I wanted to look at because Oregon is a really expensive market. And so I spent about five months just going from market to market. I started in um, Ohio, like Akron area and stuff, looking in cheaper markets. And, um, you know, I'd get on Google Maps there and start looking around and see a bunch of boarded up windows and um, some houses half burnt down. And that kind of scared me. And so um, ended up getting um, some advice from our lender, actually, and she was investing in North Carolina. And so I started looking in North Carolina after that, reached out, got on bigger pockets, found a property management company and a realtor, reached out to them, started looking around. And that market was just so crazy and such a hot market that um, we made multiple offers, couldn't get anything locked up. And I was looking there for months. And so um, it was getting around Christmas time or just before Christmas. And um, my mom was telling me that I should look around Tulsa, Oklahoma, because they just moved there a couple of years ago. And she's like, oh, it's a good market. It's seeing good growth. And the, the, the property prices are pretty affordable. And so switched to my third market, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And again, I got on biggerpockets.com and I searched um, property management companies in Tulsa and I found this amazing one. And um, they had like a 4.7 star review on Google and like 300 or 400 reviews that were, so lots of reviews to say that they were actually a good company. And um, so I got online on Zillow and just started looking for deals and stuff and going through, and as before I even reached out to the property management company. And then I found um, our two bedroom, one and a half bath that we ended up purchasing there. And so we bought that there um, and it was actually being listed by the property management company that I wanted to use. And it had been recently remodeled by them um, and was had a long-term tenant that was placed in six months before that was on a two-year lease. And so I called them up, the, um, the manager of the property management company that was also a listing agent answered right away. And I just expressed to him, hey, I wanna look at purchasing this property. And um, I told them I wanted to continue working with the property management company and, um, you know, use him for the transaction for both the, me and the seller. And I think, you know, he really liked hearing that being a dual agent and stuff. And so everything honestly went really uh, easy. The purchase price on that property was $80,000. And then um, so we ended up buying in cash, doing a quick close. And then we did a cash out refinance, refinance on that as well. And so because that tenant was in there already, um, we were able to just make that happen immediately after the purchase. So so you guys have the one in Oregon, the one uh, in Tulsa, and then where's the third unit at? So it's actually on our property in Shady Cove, Oregon, and it's an Airbnb. And so we set up a little tiny home that one of my clients um, that I met through my pool cleaning business makes. And it's just really high end um, tiny home built on a trailer. And I had this concrete pad and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with it. I already had utilities down there. And so initially I was thinking I could put like a shop down there 
and then do an apartment or something above it to rent out. And then um, one day I went to my client's house to clean his pool and I saw him building it there and I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? And he shows me it and I'm just like, this is amazing. I have a perfect spot for one of these. And so that was in the summer of 2021. And so we knew we wanted to get another long-term rental just because we weren't sure about the whole short-term rental thing yet. But we also knew we wanted to try it. And so we ended up, you know, staying in contact and, you know, going back and forth with him. He built a couple of them and we ended up, um, after we did the cash out refinance on the Oklahoma property, being able to make the timing happen to where we could purchase one from him. And so... That's amazing. Yeah. And so we ended up, um, I watch Rob's channel a lot, Rob Built, and I watch um, you and the Real Estate Robinsons as well. And so um, kind of taking a little play from Rob, we ended up naming the tiny home Casita de Venado, which means like tiny house of deer basically is how it translates because we have a bunch of deer all around the property. And um, since we launched it, it's just been doing phenomenal. It's been probably 95 plus percent booked. Um, we just launched it on May 18th. And I mean, it's doing probably $100 a night more than we ever thought it would also. So it's been pretty phenomenal for us. So That's awesome. Uh, are you guys self-managing it then? And do you want to kind of talk about like the operations of it? Because getting a short-term rental up and running, like I'm currently sitting in one right now of getting <laughs> everything ready to make it go live. But even once it's live and like it's bringing money in, how are you handling the actual management of it? So, yeah, um, we are self-managing it and um, we do most of the stuff just through the Airbnb and BRBO platform. But um, my wife handles that mostly. She actually ended up leaving her job um, that she was at back in May. And so now she manages it full time, turns it over for us and, um, you know, runs everything from that aspect it was funny though, because while we were getting it getting it set up and started, um, we knew it would take a couple days for it to go live on Airbnb and VRBO, and so we were just almost done with it. And we go ahead and we um, go to post to get it live and stuff. And a couple days goes by, and then it goes live, and we didn't know anything about the platforms or how they worked yet, even really. And so um, we had instant booking on, and so we got a booking for the same day that it went live on Airbnb, an instant <laughs> booking. <laughs> That's good news. That's a good yeah. thing. So did you have to rush to get some things finished? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, we were thinking, you know, oh, it's going to get booked out. And then it's going to be, you know, maybe worst case scenario, a couple days before someone comes and stays in it so we can get all like the finishing touches done. And um, no, it got the instant booking. My wife's like, well, we might as well accept it and just see, you know, how this works out. And so... I was at work and it was on a Friday and um, they said that they wanted to come. They're traveling from Seattle to um, the Bay Area and they wanted to stay the weekend um, when they came through. And so we were up until midnight just scrambling to get it done. I mean, I was putting fake grass out in front of it because it was just a concrete pad in front of it. 
and you know doing the final cleanup stuff and yeah i mean just like these are the stories that you don't you don't usually hear people see the you know the the instagram flex of people hey i got the keys for my first but they don't see the staying up till midnight uh laying down some some grass for your your guests they don't see you recording podcasts and your 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 new uh airbnb unit because you got to stay there to get it set up or they don't see you you know renting a u-haul and driving all the furniture and everything from your house to your airbnb and staying there for three days so it's easy to to glamorize the idea of of becoming an airbnb host or a real estate investor in general but there's so much hard work that goes into it as well so i'm I'm glad i'm glad you shared that that battle story with us yeah and so that is the thing like a lot of people they just see the end result and so they don't see the work it's just like with my out-of-state rental you know i did spend five months just researching different markets and digging in and making offers on properties before I finally found something that worked out. And, um, you know, when we started looking at the Airbnb, I mean, it was about a year from the time we started looking at them to when we finally got it on our property and all set up and stuff. And, um, I mean, with the, our first house that we remodeled, even I did a lot of that myself with a messed up neck and back after getting hit by the drunk driver. And, um, you know, I demoed out all the old carpet and stuff and was repainting the house on the inside. And it was really hard. And it took that's why it took so long. It took, I think, four months to get the whole thing done, start to finish. And um, it was because I didn't have the money to, you know, just pay someone to get it done for me. And I was having to grind out and do it on my own, even though I was injured, you know, and it's like, there's always struggles and stuff that you know, people go through and especially as real estate investors, people don't see all the struggles. And um, it's just the main thing you got to do is just keep going and keep on grinding and never give up. And so what was it like for you, Josiah, when you went from doing all that work into your your own your first property to doing an out of state property where you did no work for it? What was how how did that kind of feel? Was it like almost like you've lost control as you're not doing it anymore? Or was it like this is amazing. I never want to rehab a property again. <laughs> so I actually really did like the out-of-state investing. And I do want to continue doing the out-of-state investing in long-term rentals in the future just because it is so passive. But it was it was a lot on my phone and a lot of communication back and forth with the realtor and the lenders and stuff. And um, even because the, the property was has an HOA in Oklahoma, and they take care of the outside. And so the inside was completely remodeled, but the outside um, really needed some repairs done and completely repainted. And so when we were in the process of doing the refinance on the Oklahoma property, I was actually involved with like managing, trying to help manage the HOA company or, or the, the people doing the remodel from the HOA, keep them going and on their toes. And so it was the property manager. So it wasn't completely hands off in that sense. But ever since we did get it up and running, I mean, it's just been cash flow and good for us and super smooth. And so, um, yeah, I definitely enjoy that aspect of it. And so want to continue that. But also, I mean, the cash flow of short term rentals is just phenomenal. And so I think the goal is to just keep the short term rentals building for now. And then maybe in a couple of years, you know, do some multifamily that's out of state. That's awesome. Uh, with your short-term rental, the one by, behind your house there, the tiny home. So how does that affect your property taxes? Since it is mobile, does it not count into the assessment on your property taxes at all? That's something I've always wondered about. 
Yeah, um, so the, the tiny home is actually built and certified as an RV. And so I plug it right into an RV outlet and it's got the same hookups for sewage. And um, yeah, because of that, it's just an RV trailer essentially. And so it is kind of on the line in like a gray area as far as codes go and stuff. But um, as long as no one's staying in it more than two weeks, then it's not really considered a rental. Mm -hmm. And so it works out really well because of that. But there's there wasn't any like heavy permitting to do. Um, it is allowed within the county. And um, I mean, it was really easy for the most part to get it all done. So just I want to one follow up question on, on the tiny home piece. So um, like how I know you said it's been booked like 95 percent of the time, but are you are you getting a lot of people that are uh, like coming to actually visit that area or is it more so people like you mentioned that are like road tripping from, you know, one part of the country down and you're just like a like a stop in the middle? Have you noticed a, a trend there? Um, because we're so new with it, I couldn't really I mean, yeah, it's it's been a mix of both, actually, a pretty decent mix of people traveling um, from northern California to like the Bend area. That's a big vacation area. Um and then also just up and down the I-5 corridor. And so, but we're also about, well, we're exactly an hour from Crater Lake National Park. And so it's the deepest lake in the world. And it's an um, absolutely beautiful park. It's up on top of a volcano, um, you know, an inactive volcano that erupted, I think, almost a quarter million years ago. And then this area has tons of lakes where a quarter mile from a boat ramp for a river that is huge for rafting and stuff in the summer mm. and tons of waterfalls and hiking areas as well. It's really just an ideal Pacific Northwest area. So Crater Lake, I've actually never, never heard of Crater Lake before. So I'm going to look into that. Who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll be neighbors here uh, in the future. I'm always looking for that, that next market to invest in. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We know and you all know why it's super important that good tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process. Luckily, RentReady, the comprehensive property management software, has a new feature that makes tenant screening a complete breeze. In addition to TransUnion certified tenant screening, RentReady now offers proof of income verification. So RentReady's automatic tenant proof of income verification ensures an in-depth check of each applicant's financial stability and earnings. With Plaid certified tenant income and asset reports, 
you can see a potential tenant's income summary and total earnings by month. It's time to say goodbye to that whole gut check tenant screening and feel confident renting out your property with Rent Ready. Now, Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for only $1. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP Like Bigger Pockets Investor for six months of Rent Ready for only $1. When Bigger Pockets started podcasting, no one thought we needed a store, but then books, so many books, best-selling books, rookie books, partnership books. We needed the best real estate bookstore ever, so we chose Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch stage to the first order stage to the, did we just sell out the whole store stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling real estate books or retro clothing, Shopify's platform helps you sell everywhere, online or in person. Now, speaking of online, did you know Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better than other leading commerce platforms? And no matter how big you grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control of your business. And that's why we chose Shopify for the Bigger Pockets bookstore. So sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash bprookie, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash bprookie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash bprookie. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Um, so Josiah, I mean, first, congratulations to you and your wife on uh, on the success you guys have had. That, that's awesome. Um, but I, I want to talk a little bit about the the funding aspect of these these units that you've purchased. Um, how, like, like, what are you guys doing to be able to afford all of these properties? And you purchased three properties in about two years. Um, is it all, you know, money that you guys have saved up or you guys partnered with other investors? Just walk us through what that journey has been like. Okay. So, um, yeah, from this point previously, I mean, up to this point, it's just been my wife and I, and, um, I've had my pool cleaning business and that's done really well. I started that in 2016 and it pretty much just exploded. There's a ton of pools in this area, a ton of demand. And then um, my wife did accounting actually. Well, she was a bookkeeper at a school for about five years and then she worked for a payroll company for another five years. And so, um, you know, when we're doing all these deals and taking things down. She's been imperative because I am terrible on computers and that paperwork and keeping stuff organized and stuff. And so she's the backbone there with um, sending emails back and forth to the lender and stuff. And I'm the one that, you know, finds the deals and kind of tries to manage them and get them across the finish line in that sense. Um, but yeah, we've done it just working regular jobs, just regular people. 
And we haven't, um, you know, like I said, we did the cash out refinance on our first house and then the HELOC on our personal home. And so other than buying our first house and our second house, just using conventional financing, um, we've used, you know, some fundamentals of real estate to get the rest of our um, cash. So, and then uh, moving forward though, I mean, we did spend all of our money on the tiny home and stuff and that's been going great. But I do think we're going to try to partner with people. Can we, can we just uh, for the tiny home? So like, did you, did you pay, did you use like your cash from your HELOC to fund that construction or did you get some kind of construction loan to, to fund that project? Okay. So yeah, we did, we did all cash with that. And so it was $76,000 for the tiny home. And then all in were about a hundred thousand dollars on it. And because we did, we had some unexpected paving for the driveway. It was too steep for cars to get in and out of. And then we did a deck and that was more, um, a Trex deck that was more expensive than we thought as well. Um, both of those things were about 6,000 each. And then we did a hot tub and a gazebo and a fire table and stuff. And so that's all on the deck at the end of the tiny home and it's all underneath the gazebo. So, and then you actually, where it's at. Um, my property is shaped like an L and it's only an acre, but you have your own private hillside where the tiny home's at. And so because of that, it makes it really, you know, private. You're looking at mountaintops and treetops and stuff um, when you're sitting either at the fire table or in the hot tub. And um, it really just gives you a feel that there's no one else around, even though there are, you know, a couple houses, a hundred yards behind you and then a couple hundred yards down the hill in front of you and stuff. So, but yeah, in the future, we definitely um, want to partner with some investors and I have a deal that I'm looking at putting together right now. So, so you said that the land is an acre that your house is on. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. So, okay. So one acre, I mean, that's not a huge amount of land, but you're able to put another unit on there, produce income off of that. So I'm super curious now. Okay. So you're a hundred thousand dollars in, um, how much is this, what are you cash flowing off of this? And what are, what are your expenses look like on it? What are you actually paying for? You paid for the property in cash. You are your utilities. Are they separately metered or do they connect to your house utilities on the same meter? So you don't really know how much is exactly going to that unit. Yeah. So, um, the gross on that property right now in the tiny homes, about $6,000 a month. It's great. That's fantastic, Josiah. Yeah. For $100,000? I mean, that, that's that's great. Yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. When I was running the numbers for it, um, I was estimating, I was being really conservative, but I was thinking it would do at least $3,000 a month, which would still be a way better cash on cash return than anything else we did. But um, it's been steady, 95% booked anywhere from 180 to, I think 240 a night with a $50 cleaning fee. And so self-managing and doing the cleanings ourselves, we've been able to keep pretty much all of that. Um, even the hot tub running constantly, and it's got a mini split air conditioning unit in it. Um, with it being a hundred degrees, you know, almost every day, 95 to hundred, it's only been about a hundred dollars a month for power. And so, um, you know, we clean all the bedding ourselves and then we do provide just a couple water bottles for each you know, person or couple that stays. Um, we do like a couple little snack bars and stuff, and then we do a bottle of wine as well. And so it's just like a nice little welcome pack. Um, 
And then one thing we do actually for a little bit of extra income is we'll do these special little setup packages where my wife will go in and decorate for anniversaries and stuff. Mm. And then she even had a college graduation a few months ago that she did. And so um, we'll do like little charcuterie boxes and stuff and some flowers and like even flower petals up on the bed and then get a couple like... um, well, we did one that was um, an anniversary and then one that was actually for a honeymoon. And so it was a honeymoon that was delayed due to COVID. And so we just had like congratulations and stuff hanging on the wall and, um, you know, really spruce it up a little bit. So, yeah. So just I mean, just do congratulations again, man, like to, to be doing that well uh, on the tiny home. I'm, I'm super pumped for you guys. I should have one follow up question. What what city did you say your, your property is in? It's in Shady Cove, Oregon. So Shady it's a Cove. very small town. And how far is that from Crater Lake? It's literally an hour from the lake itself. Oh, There's it's an- still an hour. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So to be that far from like the main attraction, but still gather that much uh, interest and demand to do, you know, six grand a month on a tiny home is, is super, super impressive. I guess one last question for you. Do you know in that area, are, are, is there a limit to how many short-term rentals you can have on your property? Cause you've, you've got some land. You could probably slap on a few more tiny homes with, with the acreage <laughs> that you have. Right. Yeah. And so I, I can't because it's a hillside and it's pretty, um, rough, you know, it's a lot of river rock and stuff being right up above the river. And so it would just be hard to um, keep it such a a good experience, you know, for mm-hmm. the customers of the tiny home right now. Yeah. If you have multiple just units on it, I feel like I feel part of the the thing that people really enjoy is just how secluded it feels and how private it feels. Yeah. And so I don't really want to take away from that um, as far as being by Crater Lake National Park. So there's not much else any closer. Um, It's a lot of national forests and stuff around it. Mm. And so there's only one even smaller town that's closer to it. And there's probably only a handful of short-term rentals there. And so this is a pretty prime spot to be for that. And like, but like from a permitting perspective, like for example, in Joshua Tree, we can only put two uh, short-term rentals per parcel. Are you limited in that same way near, uh, near Crater Lake? Um, so yeah, Shady Cove. Yeah, there is a law. And so the way I did it on the RV pad, um, you can't have multiple RV pads and RVs on your property in Shady Cove. And so, but there is no law saying like how many short-term rentals you can actually have. Mm -hmm. And so they're pretty relaxed. Um, Shady Cove is primarily a tourist town, especially in the summer. And so that's where most of its revenue comes from is just people traveling in the spring, summer, and fall. Interesting. I'm I'm sold. You sold me, Josiah. I'm I'm, uh, I'm going to I'm going to Shady Cove. I'm writing it down. I'm uh, I'm booking my flight. He just booked your Airbnb. <laughs> there we go. Do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I want to move on to our next segment, Josiah, uh, which is our rookie request line. Uh, so for those of you that are listening, if you guys would like to get your questions featured on the show, give us a call at eight 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 five rookie, and we just might use your question on the show. So, Josiah, are you ready for today's question? Yeah, I'll do my best. All right. So here's today's question from Corey. Hey, guys. My name is Corey Robinson. Just had a quick question for you guys. Um, I was thinking about the turnkey rental route, but have you guys ever thought about doing turnkey rentals and using those rentals as like short-term rentals for either travel nurse rentals or Airbnb? Uh, just like to know your thoughts on that, you know, if you guys think it's a good route to go or if you think it's not a good route to go. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Later. 
I think that's a great route to go, honestly. Um, it's not something I've looked at a whole lot specifically um, with the travel nurses. I do know that's a huge industry, though. And a lot of people in my area that do the travel nurse um, short-term rentals, it'll often be they'll be making like 20 25% more income off their property. And so I feel like that is a really good route to go just because you just have to buy some furniture and stuff. But other than that, do a little bit of decorating, it's good to go. Yeah. And Corey, I mean, you know, honestly, it's, it's slightly personal preference, but I mean, if, if, if you don't have the the time or ability to find a good deal, uh, you know, find a good property manager, get it set up, then turnkey could be the, the route to go. But typically your returns on turnkey investment are going to be lower than what you get if you did that work yourself. So there's some give and take, but is it a good way to break into the role of real estate investing for someone that's new? Absolutely. I think you just got to ask yourself if it's worth it or not. So uh, thank you for that that awesome advice, Josiah. I want to move on to our next segment, which is the rookie exam. These are the three most important questions that you will ever be asked in your entire life, Josiah. So are you ready for the exam? I think so. We'll have to All right. wait and see. <laughs> All right. So question number one, what's one actionable thing Ricky should do after listening to your episode, Josiah? Um, one actionable thing. I would say the biggest thing is just learn to run numbers. And so learn the numbers on the type of deal you want to do, whether that's short-term rentals or long-term rentals um, or out-of-state rentals even. But if you can learn to run the numbers, that's about 90% of it. Um, I mean, as far as having the confidence to know what you need to do, and that's what's helped me so much. I've learned to run the numbers in different scenarios. And because of that, it's given me the confidence to just keep moving forward, even through, you know, uncertainty and the pandemic and stuff like that. And, um, you know, if you can do that, that's number one that's going to help you just get started in your career for real estate. Josiah, what is one tool, software, app, or system in your business that you use? Um, so one that I use a lot to actually help me run the numbers is a, a rental calculator. And it is a long-term rental calculator. You could use it for short-term as well. Um, and it's called CDS Rental Calculator. It was actually developed by um, Chandler David Smith, who was on the main Bigger Pockets podcast, I think about a year ago. And it's really good for just going through quickly on your phone and analyzing deals. You can put in um, purchase price, percent down, taxes, insurance. I mean, it has every single metric you can think of, basically. And then you process it and it'll go to like a cash on cash return and a total return on investment and stuff. And so I've had that's what I used um, with the out of state purchase and with the out of state property. And it's just been I, I analyzed hundreds and hundreds of properties. So that was such a big key. And then when I go into the long term, like once I find a deal that looks like it's going to make sense, then I'll get on bigger pockets and use the bigger pockets calculator for a more in-depth analysis. So awesome. That's great advice. Yeah. Obviously we love the bigger pockets calculators as well, but I, I've heard good things about Chandler David Smith as well. So um, awesome. Last question, Josiah, where do you plan on being in five years? In five years? Um, hopefully on a beach somewhere, you know, just taking it easy. <laughs> no, um, seriously, though, in five years, um, I'm hoping to be able to spend a lot more time with my family and have a good portfolio of both short term and long term rentals. And so, um, like I said earlier, I would like to grow the short term rental side of things pretty quick because it is so scalable and get the income up um, pretty quick, but then invest in multifamily out of state and do that using both partners 
and maybe even some private investors along the way. So the ultimate goal would get to be get to about $20,000 per month um, income from our real estate investments. And then at that point, I feel like we could comfortably just do real estate full time and not have to worry about much else, you know, just I would want to keep doing deals and growing and stuff, but not feel like I have to push myself as hard as I can basically to keep going. I mean, just so you've already had success with your your pool cleaning business. So you obviously you're, you're a smart, savvy business person. So I'm sure you'll be able to take a lot of those skills that you learned in that business and apply it to your real estate deal as well. So five years from now, you'll be on the the real estate podcast with uh, with uh, Rob and, and David talking about all the all the great things you've done, man. So uh, we appreciate you asking those or answering those questions for us. And just a heads up, you passed the exam. Your answers were phenomenal. So you're, you know you're, you're you're in our good books, man. So before we wrap up, I just want to highlight uh, our Ricky Rockstar for this week. So this week's Ricky Rockstar is Andrew Reese, and Andrew said says, today, my fiance and I closed on our first real estate deal. Uh, 35 days ago, we went under agreements on a three family near Boston, but the story doesn't start there. Two years ago, I lost my job and I literally couldn't afford my own rent. Now I'm engaged, have a great job and achieved my goal of acquiring a three family in the town of our choice. I started working with my agent 18 months ago, looking at houses before I came even pre-approved. Then we got squeezed with the rising interest rates, but when this listing went live, we were ready. And Andrew finishes this by saying, let this be inspiration to all of you who think it's too difficult to get your first rental in this market. It is possible and don't lose hope. Don't lose your vision of what you want and your dream of building towards your goals and becoming wealthy. So Andrew, major congratulations to both you and your fiance on taking this amazing first step in building your real estate business. And great advice too, Andrew, at the end there. Josiah, thank you so much for all of your advice and your knowledge that you shared with us today. Can you let everyone know where they can find out some more information about you and reach out to you? Yeah, so I'm just Alpha REI LLC on Instagram. And then we also have Casita De Venado on Instagram. And then um, outside of that, we're not really too active um, on any other platforms. And so you can find um, our tiny home at just if you search Casita De Venado around Shady Cove, Oregon, as well, if you want to book that out. So, well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals, and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson on Instagram. And we'll be back on Saturday with a rookie reply. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals 
enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.